0: What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Uptempo Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Lane, and tonight we are joined by our special guest by the name of Ashton Pollard. She is a staff reporter for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Uh, Extremely proud to uh, have her on, and uh, we got a really good show for you guys. Uh, I really think you guys are going to enjoy this. Uh, Notre Dame coming down to SEC country for this podcast, and Ashton just, Absolutely knocks it out of the park. Uh, she talks a little bit about Brian Kelly's departure uh, to LSU, and then she talks about how the fan base felt about that and how, how they currently feel about Coach Freeman getting promoted and getting his chance uh, as the head coach of the Fighting Irish. And then Ashton will talk a little bit about who could possibly be the next defensive coordinator for the Irish. And then she goes into, in my opinion, the best part of the episode where she talks about Notre Dame recruiting. Not only for the 2022 class, but she expands to the 2023 class. Uh, Absolute home run, knocked it out of the park. Uh, Really, really good stuff. And then she talks about um, the biggest weakness for Notre Dame, uh, or not necessarily weakness, question mark, uh, going into the 2022 season. Uh, And she goes in-depth to uh, position players and uh, gives you a couple of key names to look out for on the Notre Dame roster. Really, really good stuff. Um, And then to close it out, we talk about uh, the expectations for the 2022 season, and we talk about this extremely difficult schedule that Notre Dame is about to have to play, and they kick it off at Ohio State for the 2022 campaign, and she uh, goes in and and tells you uh, who they play, where they play, and and when they play, Um, and just really, really good stuff. Uh, You guys might not be, you know, uh, big fans of Notre Dame, but it was an excellent, excellent episode, and I'm not going to keep you all waiting any longer, so here you go. Here is Miss Ashton Pollard. Welcome back, everybody. Today we're joined by a special guest, Miss Ashton Pollard. She is the staff re- reporter for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Ashton, how are you doing tonight?
1: I'm good, Blake. Thanks for having me on,
0: Ashton. Uh, you know you're my first uh, female guest on this podcast, and um, I have a <laughs> I have a three year old daughter, and um, I just okay. started this like a month and a half ago, and You know, it 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 means a lot because like, you know, covering college football and everything, um, you know, I try to tell my daughter that she can be anything and uh, that that she wants to be. And uh, I just really think that's cool. um, The job that you do and how invested you are in it. And my first question is, could you talk a little bit about your journey and how you come to this point and uh, and how you started covering the game of college football?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, first of all, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. um, definitely the right message to send to your yes. daughter. And uh, happy to. I don't. I don't know that I'm really that big of a role model for anybody. But if I can, I always think that if I can inspire like one girl to even yes. become interested in football, that, that um, it, it's helping. It's helping the cause. So, no doubt. Yeah my um my journey it's kind of a weird one. So I um I'm from Virginia originally. I mm-hmm. went to college in Pennsylvania. Okay. And then I actually studied political science, so I wanted to move to D.C. and do the whole like work in politics forever. Um, contemplating, contemplated running for office like in the in the future down the road, and um, ended up working at the Department of Health and Human Services in wow. external affairs and communications, which is where I kind of got my first introduction to the media, other than just you know watching it on TV like we all do. Wow. Um, And so we worked with a lot of journalists. I worked in a couple of capacities there. At one point, my boss was kind of in charge of all of our communications. Um, So that was when I was heavy in the the media, um, working with journalists and stuff. Decided that I really liked that, but I really hated politics. Um, (laughs) So I left and was debating, all right, I have these communication skills and this interest in journalism. Um, I just need a new topic. So I've always been a massive sports fan. My mm-hmm. dad went to Notre Dame. That's why I grew up a Notre Dame fan. And um, everyone, I, I kind of throughout my whole life, people were always like, why don't you work in sports? Like, you should have worked in sports. And I just, I was always like, oh, yeah, sure. I don't know. And <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Like, I could go to sports journalism school. So I applied around, um, ended up at Northwestern and graduated in September of 2021. So like five, six months ago. Awesome. And um, ended up at On3, which is still a company that I work for, except I work in a different capacity. So I
0: started okay. on the National
1: News Desk, and we did basically breaking news for the entirety of the FBS. Um, heavy on kind of the, the Blue Blood programs, your mm-hmm. Power Fives, um, Notre Dame, lumping Notre Dame into the Power Five, even though technically they're not <laughs> in it, I guess. Um and then ended up moving over to Blue and Gold, which is the On 3 Notre Dame fan site. And I mm-hmm. did that literally three weeks ago. So that's all. Awesome. I'm new to the beat. Um, I'm not new to Notre Dame football, obviously, because that was kind of my favorite thing ever growing up. But um, covering a team and being a fan of a team is very, very different. So learning the ropes, um, adding to my – what I would say was – Sufficient knowledge, obviously, but it certainly was not the um, amount of knowledge that I need to have to be successful in this role. But that's kind of all I got there. It's a it's a weird path, but um,
0: hopefully, hopefully, it was a good decision to leave DC and move into sports. That is absolutely incredible. Um, (laughs) um, And now, Ashton, getting into um, the football side of things, I wanted my first question. I wanted to ask about the Brian Kelly departure. And how was that fan base feeling about him leaving for LSU? And how are they feeling with Coach Freeman finally getting his shot to be a head coach?
1: Yeah, so that day, I was actually uh, rehashing it on a, another podcast the other day. It, I guess throughout the season, um, once really once Clay Helton was fired at USC, there were these little rumors of like, oh, Brian Kelly will look at USC. Mm-hmm. But nobody really ever believed that. There was kind of always the prevailing thought of, Notre Dame's a top 10 job. The program is not Alabama, obviously, but it's kind of firmly in that second tier of mm-hmm. teams that are very good year in and year out, um, can't quite get over the hump. But again, like it, it wasn't a bad gig, it was, not, it was doing a bad job. And so, yeah, there were like, those rumors floating around. Nobody really entertained them. And then it was a Monday um, around like 2 p.m. I got a DM from a blogger that I know that's a, a big Notre Dame blogger and he said something to the effect of like, ha ha, these Brian Kelly rumors are getting a little more real than I'd like. And that was the first thing, first had heard of it because when I worked on the national news desk, I actually had Mondays off. So I tried to stay like kind of off of Twitter, just disconnect a little bit, Mm -hmm. um, from the whole thing. So I was like, what, like, what are you talking about? And he's like, Oh, go look. So I go look, there's like, little rumors here and there, but nobody is like super credible. Like your, your Bruce Feldman, your Pete family's not reporting this yet, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like people that are hearing things that you don't really know whether or not it's true. And um, so the snowball starts to roll, gets bigger. You start hearing the you start hearing the Pete families of the world be like, so Brian Kelly's entertaining LSU. <laughs> and by about 6pm or 7pm, he was gone. Mm-hmm. So, all that um, when I say all that, I'm trying to uh, emphasize that it happened really fast, and I think the entire Notre Dame fan base was totally blindsided by it. Um, I don't know a single person that, like, seriously thought that he would entertain leaving. Um, Um, From what we found out (coughs) after, I guess, there had been some conversations in the background where it was not obvious to Notre Dame athletic director, Jack Swarbrick, but Swarbrick kind of said, like, later, like, it made sense, but... Obviously, the public is not privy to the one-on-one conversations between Brian Kelly and Jack Sorbrick. Um, mm. So the Notre Dame fan base, not going to lie, was quite angry. Um, mm-hmm. I was also quite angry. <laughs> um, it, it just kind of, again, it was like, why Why would he do this? There was the whole, obviously, Elsie's paying him a boatload of money. No but doubt. there was kind of like, is it really only about the money? Like, he brought this program quote back again I'm not and this mm-hmm. is an SEC podcast so I'm not trying to act like Notre Dame's Alabama they're not but back from the early 2000s when they were pretty consistently not climbing above seven winds. Mm-hmm. um and so yeah I was kind of like why did you do this is it really is does you really care that much about money like I don't know there's a lot of unanswered questions and a lot of just like shock I think mm-hmm. um then there was of course the panic of who are we going to get instead, and is this recruiting class going to come crashing down? Is the 2023 one they're building going to come crashing down? Mm -hmm. And the prevailing thought among Notre Dame fans was, if we can keep Marcus Freeman, it should be held together relatively well, which is obviously ultimately what happened. Mm -hmm. It did stay together pretty well, um, at least initially, and I can touch on the coaching departures later if if you're interested, but um, recruiting class was cut together. There were (laughs) two Unfortunately, they were both wide receivers, which is a problem. But there were two guys that um, were previously committed to decommitted. But otherwise, the 21-person class remained intact. Um, And I think once Freeman was – it was kind of – it was informally announced Wednesday that he was going to be the head coach. Friday it became official. So this Mm -hmm. is all in the same week. So I think the fact that it was over with pretty quickly – limited the amount of stress and panic but the amount of stress and panic that was happening monday night was ridiculously high if that mm. kind of makes sense you know what i mean
0: no doubt um
1: and then in terms of like thoughts on freeman i mean notre dame they lost their bowl game to oklahoma state mm-hmm. you can i'm not going to make ex- i'm not going to play the whole like they didn't have these players card because like a lot of people don't that's fine mm-hmm. i think still that regardless of personnel on the field it was Marcus Freeman's first game as a head coach. There's going to be growing pains. Um, I'm honestly rather I'd rather have that than they open with Ohio State. I'd rather have <laughs> the Oklahoma State game. They effectively doesn't really count, you know, in, mm-hmm. in the long in the long run. Um, kind of be his trial run. See what he likes. See what he doesn't like. He uh, let the former uh, defensive line coach, who's now at Michigan, call the plays, and um, didn't go crazy well. But yeah, I think I think in general the fan base is excited and they're really happy that that, that they wanted Freeman, myself included. We all kind of wanted Freeman. Yeah. Uh, there was Luke Fickle talk, which would have been fine. Luke Fickle's a good coach, mm-hmm. um, but I just I don't know that the culture that they had previously would have been held together. And I also think that Freeman and uh, Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator, might have followed Brian Kelly to LSU if Freeman didn't get promoted. So wow. it was kind of like the one the one thing that we wanted happen, so everything mm-hmm. stayed together, but had you pulled that block, that single block of the
0: Jenga Tower out, it probably would have all come crashing down. Oh, that was a very long answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Uh, I I I love the hire um, with, with Coach Freeman, and those Brian Kelly dancing videos at LSU, They're awful. they are the cringiest thing that I have ever seen in my life. They're terrible. <laughs> I can't.
1: I was telling somebody the other guy because... The night that uh, Kelly left, I was very, very upset. Not happy, defending him, being like, "Why? Like he should stay? Like I really liked him." And now I'm like, "Why did I defend this man?" I was like, "You have to give me crap for the rest of my life for defending this man." And she was like, "Oh, right, well,
0: don't
1: worry." Uh, but yeah, they're awful.
0: Uh, Ashton, can you talk a little bit about the the coaching staff and who could possibly be the ne- uh, the next defensive coordinator in Notre Dame? Yes. So
1: have a defensive coordinator on february 10th mm-hmm. which on the one hand um is not it, it, in like if you remove the context is like not ideal you kind of want a defense coordinator to at this point but Marcus Freeman wants to hire somebody who he said, like, fits into the program as opposed to is going to overhaul the program, and Marcus Freeman's kind of acting as the defensive coordinator mm-hmm. right now in the sense that he's out recruiting, and, like, he, he's a good face that recruits are like, it doesn't matter who the defensive coordinator is because Marcus Freeman's there, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not as big of a problem as it would be if, say, you had an offensive-minded head coach and no defense coordinator for the duration of the January recruiting period.
0: 100%. Um.
1: In terms of candidates, so the prevailing thought is that it would be Al Golden, and that's why mm-hmm. they're holding, because obviously the Bengals are playing the Super Bowl <laughs> on Sunday night. It came out the other day that Golden allegedly signed an extension, which some people were saying that, brings, that takes him off the table. I'm saying that's never stopped anybody before. We've seen 100%. so many
0: coaching no
1: changes in this cycle where people signs and then they leave two weeks later, three weeks later, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean anything. That's a nice talking point or whatever. And like maybe it signals he's saying, but I don't think it takes him off the table. The other one that I've heard kind of picked up steam behind him is I don't know if it's Joe Rossi or Joe Rossi, Mm -hmm. um, but the Minnesota defensive coordinator um behind him. Um so yeah, those are kind of the two names. It's basically with everything else going on with Notre Dame, I've in all honesty, like kind of put it on the back burner for the moment because (laughs) Gold, because again, like Golden was the prevailing thought, it was like whatever. We're not going to hear it for two weeks anyways because he's yeah. busy. Now we're coming up on the Super Bowl in four, three or four days, and I I would assume that around Monday ish it starts to pick back up. And if you don't hear about anyone from Notre Dame in next week, then it becomes what is going on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but for
1: now, I would say it's, I would say it's Golden. I do not have any inside information, but that's
0: yeah, guess. that that's that's the way I was leaning and. uh mm-hmm. And uh, that's what it looks like on social media uh, for sure. So uh, could you talk a little bit about the the way the staff is recruiting? I know you just mentioned Coach Freeman out on the recruiting trail and and talk a a little bit about the class that they just landed and the upcoming class in the 23 year.
1: Yeah, so – Unlike Brian Kelly, Marcus Freeman loves recruiting. Um, It's not that Kelly was bad at it. He was fair at it, but he was Mm -hmm. not the guy that would wake up every morning like, wow, I can't wait to go recruit high schoolers. Marcus Freeman's kind of the opposite. Um, He Mm. told his staff that nobody, basically, like, nobody's going to outwork him on the recruiting trail. Mm. He's out there. hes I mean, Kelly was meeting with recruits, but Freeman's out there a lot more. I forget the number of states that visited, like, an absurd number of states in, like, a week-long period, like, uh, uh, like double-digit states. Um, and so I, I think it's been going relatively well from what I've heard. Notre Dame hasn't gotten um, very many commits here in the last – at least since I've been working at Blue and Gold, so, like, a, a little over the last month. Mm-hmm. Um, they – in terms of 2022 class, so they signed 22, and they had two transfers, one of them being um, Brandon Joseph, the All-American safety out of Northwestern, and the mm-hmm. other one is a kicker. Um, that class, I would say it's, and we kind of spoke about this before we started recording, but it, on three ranked at number six class in the nation, which mm-hmm. the last time Notre Dame finished in the top 10 was 20, I mean, finished, I think it's higher than nine, Um, was 2013 when they finished fourth, so wow. turning the right direction in that respect, it's a very balanced class, um, it's evenly split, offense, defense, and then there's a punter in there, and The strongest groups um, are offensive line, which is kind of Notre Dame's thing, so that's unsurprising. Mm -hmm. But I think where they did really well, and I think where you can see the Marcus Freeman effect right away, is that the linebackers are really, really, really stout. So Mm -hmm. I ran some numbers the other day, went back uh, to 2013, because that was the year that Notre Dame got Jalen Smith, who Mm -hmm. turned out to be very, very good, was very good at Cowboys for a long time. Mm -hmm. kind of has fallen off in his... Um, later in his career, but in college was incredible. And so that's a 10-year mark, and that's, this is kind of like the 10-year anniversary of them landing, the, I think it was like the number two linebacker in the country, he was. So maybe number one. Um, <laughs> but this class of linebackers is better than the 2013 class, and it's the best one that they've signed in 10 years. Freeman was wow. a linebacker. I think that's mm-hmm. part of the reason why they have um, Jalen Sneed, who was the top player out of South Carolina and is, I believe, the number three linebacker in the country. Um, he, on three, has him listed as a five-star, and I believe as a consensus five-star, which means that um, the average of all of the recruiting sites, so on three, 24-7, ESPN, and Rivals, um, he averages out to a five-star. So wow. he kind of headlines it. And then the three others, they're all high-level four-stars, all four are early enrollees, and they're already there, um, seem to be doing pretty well. So... I would say, yeah, overall, it's a very balanced class, good class, um, with the one kind of exciting change being that the linebackers that they brought in are
0: uh, better than we've seen in quite some time. Incredible. Incredible stuff right there. Um, Thank you. Yeah, you, you, you definitely know your stuff. Uh, uh, well, <laughs> I've been writing a lot. The last week of my <laughs> I, life has been looking at this class. So I, I, followed, <laughs> I follow your stuff on Twitter, and it is amazing. Uh, Thank you very much, I appreciate that. Um, could could you talk a little bit about what is Notre Dame's biggest weakness going into this 2022 season? Yeah, um, I think it's
1: definitely at the quarterback position, and I would I would say biggest question as opposed to biggest weakness mm-hmm. in the sense that Tyler Buckner is the presumed starter, mm-hmm. but he is a soft true. He will be a true sophomore out of California, which I say he's out of California because that means he did not play his senior year of football uh, because it was canceled due to COVID. Mm -hmm. So this kid, um, he's very good. At one point, he was rated a five-star. I think toward the very end, he got knocked down to a very high-level four-star. But um, for all intents and purposes, very, very high-level kid. And um, he has a great arm. He's more of a dual-threat quarterback, but he hasn't started a game since 2019. So he'll be coming Mm -hmm. up on three years if he does start. Come September, and his first game is going to be at the Horseshoe against Ohio State. So, I think um, Notre Dame has a lot coming back, and like there's, there really there aren't very many concerns on defense. They're going to have objectively. I don't think this is biased. I'd say it's one of the best defensive lines in the country um, because they had. Three guys elect to come back. Um, it could have declared for the draft, one of them being Isaiah Foskey, who would have probably been a second-round pick now. It's kind of mm-hmm. going for uh, upping his draft stock. Um, but they should be very good there. Um, Brandon Joseph's coming in at safety. He was an All-American. The line, the offensive line veteran's fine. Um, they have some questions at receiver, but they also have Michael Mayer, who's
0: a top tight mm-hmm. end.
1: And then they have a couple of running backs that are very, very good. So the one, again, I don't necessarily want to say weakness because I mm-hmm. think that Buckner is a very – strong quarterback and he will be very good, but it's just a matter of like if you go in, as you know, in college football, if you go in get blown out by Ohio State Labor Day weekend, you can overcome that, but it becomes a lot more <laughs> difficult to overcome that. So that's kind of gonna be all all Notre Dame fans' eyes are gonna be on the quarterback conversation leading up to Ohio State and then starting with that game.
0: No doubt. Um and that's that's kind of where I was hoping you would go with that question. Uh to, to cover that and and now I, I want to talk about the expectations for this 2022 season and yeah. this schedule is absolutely ridiculous. I, I was I was looking at it and you know I know these people in SEC country they always you know they're oh they don't play a tough schedule and they're not in a conference. This schedule is one of the toughest schedules in the country. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. It really is, and I I tend to be the Notre Dame fan that like
1: last year. I will admit the schedule was not very hard. They played mm-hmm. Cincinnati, but like otherwise, not very hard. So when I say this one is incredibly daunting, I'm not just <laughs> saying that because I'm a Notre Dame fan trying to defend myself on an SEC podcast. <laughs> so they open at Ohio State. Um, they close at USC, mm-hmm. which, as we all know, is under new leadership with Lincoln Riley has Caleb Williams um that one I think is a little more of what's scarier is the unexpected because USC has a history of and granted I know that Lincoln Riley was not there but has a history of landing top talent and messing it all up so it's kind of like is Riley gonna turn that around or is uh Notre Dame gonna maybe be okay again when you play a team with that much talent there's always you could always lose
0: but it's like is this game gonna be a one versus two situation Mm -hmm. I mean I've not necessarily one versus two, but you know, like a top 10 game. Yeah. Or is it going to be just like another game where
1: it's like they're both eight and three going in and someone's going to have nine and three, someone's going to have eight and four? So those are the bookends. Um, in between the bigger games, they play, they host Clemson in November, mm-hmm. um, They, which Clemson's kind of a big question mark, like who were, what Clemson are we going to see next year?
0: Um, they
1: play BYU. In Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium, the Raiders' uh, stadium, which is really cool for several reasons. But BYU is supposed to be pretty good. And then um, they—they it's kind of weird because so typically they play five ACC games a year, Mm -hmm. but the rule, like putting rule in quotes, whatever wherever it's written down (laughs) in the contract or whatever, um, it says it's an average of five. So this year they only have four, which means they have some other kind of weird games starting here. They're playing five teams. That play in the Pacific Time Zone, I believe. So oh it's, wow! It's U Uf- and well, actually, I don't know is is BYU BYU
0: is in Utah, obviously. I don't know if in the Pacific time zone. Anyway, <laughs> whatever. You get my point. Yeah. they're playing BYU, USC, Stanford, Cal, and then they play UNLV. Which is kind of ironic that they play UNLV at home, and then they also play <laughs> at UNLV's home stadium, but they don't play UNLV because UNLV plays at the Raiders Stadium. Wow. So
1: some weird games in there and then um, those, yeah, those are kind of the big ones uh, at UNC is I guess their biggest ACC game on the road again they're only four and Clemson's at home but we'll see what UNC trots out after losing Sam Howell but um, mm. that's yeah that's kind of the gist of it it's, it's it's scary the fact that they have Ohio State Clemson and USC um, and again it could turn out I think Ohio State's could be very good I think Clemson and USC are kind of question marks mm-hmm. along with uh, BYU but that opener at Ohio State, Notre Dame fans are uh, very used to getting blown out
0: on a big stage. So if they go into the shoe and get blown out by four touchdowns, uh, I think Moran's going to be pretty low. So no. we'll see what happens. No, we don't need that. We need Notre Dame in the thick of things. Uh, college, college, okay, I like that. Yes, oh, of course. College football is always great with Notre Dame uh, at, at the top and, and in the uh, discussion of, of the playoffs. Uh, that's just – it's – I mean that's how it's I always agree, been. But I'm having I'm, I'm kind of
1: the type of I like the like I like the blue bloods being good. Like I I'm, I'm mad that Texas is so bad. Yes. Because I think college football is fun, but Texas is bad. I, I I I'm a little less mad that USC is bad just because I don't like my <laughs> like fandom. But also I was kind of people were when um, they picked up Caleb Williams and Riley. People were like, oh my god, like the Skins be awful. They're going to be good again. And I was kind of like, honestly. I'm kind of tired of the USC game just, like, sucking. Like, it's not fun anymore. You know what I mean? And sure, uh, I'm sure Notre Dame will lose to USC in the next couple of years. (laughs) And, like, that does suck, and I want them to win. But at the same time, it's, like, it gets kind of boring just, like, beating up on USC constantly.
0: Yeah. um, We have the Iron Bowl here in Alabama. So, uh, it is – I love the Iron Bowl. Yeah. It's – in my opinion, it's the greatest rivalry in college football. But – I know uh, sure. some people think you know the game is, but um, Ashton, one last question I got for you. When is Notre Dame actually going to join the ACC? <laughs> uh, never Never. So if, you, if you want the actual answer to that, it's when they have to. And mm-hmm.
1: Jack Scorberg, the athletic director, is currently outsmarting effectively everyone in college football, with maybe the exception of Greg Sankey. I think that Greg Sankey and Jack Swarbrick actually run college football together
0: because
1: <laughs> Sankey, for obvious reasons, has a lot of power. And then Swarbrick, because he, one, has a he's on the expansion committee. So it's him, um, Sankey, Bubbles, being the Big 12 commissioner, and then Craig Thompson, who's the Mountain West commissioner. I know it grinds ACC people's gears to no end that Jack Swarbrick has a spot and Jim Phillips does not, which oh. grinds sure a lot of people's gears. But um, Jack Swarbrick has a voice in everything, and basically until until he get, until Notre Dame gets shut out of the conversation, which again is not happening, I don't think anytime soon. There's mm-hmm. no reason for Notre Dame to join a conference. I mean, if they go to 12, people were saying, "Oh, Swarbrick agreed that Notre Dame would." Never get a first round bye, but I think that Notre Dame fans, like if you're the third best team in the country, you're gonna end up fifth because mm. of the way that they have it structured, and then you're gonna play the number twelve team. And I've kind of heard the predominant predominant sentiment is if we can't beat the number twelve team, then like we don't deserve to play for the title anyways, and we'd mm. rather be independent than get one bye every five years, you know? Wow. Um and there are there are a multitude of reasons for Why Notre Dame fans don't want to be in a conference aside from just the fact that it makes people mad. There are actual reasons (laughs) for it um, from like a strength and recruiting advantage and whatnot. Mm -hmm. That's a whole other conversation. But yeah, I think I don't think it's happening very soon. And um, based on what the expansion conversation is and how Swarbrick and I think Sankey are kind of leading it together and doing a very good
0: job, uh, I I don't see it happening anytime soon. Wow. That's That's my honest opinion. No, good stuff. Good stuff. Love to hear it. I love to hear it. Um, Ashton, uh, could you tell my listeners where they could find you on social media? Sure. Yeah. So um, primarily on Twitter um, at
1: Ashton Pollard Seven. So it's Ashton like Kutcher and then P O L L A R D Seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you're interested in any of our work, I know this is an SEC podcast, so I can plug our fan sites. We have several um, SEC fan sites. We have. Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, South Carolina, LSU, um, Florida. We're, we're adding a bunch more. So if you're interested in – you're probably not super interested in reading my work, but I'm on mm-hmm. blueandgold.com, but all those fan sites are fantastic um, that we have over at On3. And you should definitely check out both the national website and then the, the fan sites respectively. I think they're really cool and what uh, Shannon Terry, who – Started on three is building is really cool and kind of touches on all the different aspects of the the fan, the player, the parents, the coaches. Um, I think it's very all encompassing and includes a lot. So you should definitely check it out.
0: Wow, that's awesome, Ashton. Um, I appreciate you joining me tonight and giving me your Absolutely. time. Um, Thank it you so it much. means a lot to me, and hopefully, I can get you back on uh, closer to football season and and during football season and talk some Notre Dame football with you.
1: I would love to. I'm happy to talk football anytime. And I, I love talking at the national level, too. I know a lot of Notre Dame fans want nothing to do with the FCC but I think that it's very fun to talk about. And the FCC, is, the FCC makes football more
0: fun. So happy to talk about anything and everything. Well, that's awesome. Thank you, Ashton. And uh, we'll talk soon. Yep. Sounds good. Thanks, Blake. All right. Wow, everybody. That was Ashton Pollard breaking down the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. What an episode. Uh, really knocked it out of the park, like I said, multiple times. Uh, just just giving you uh, really, really good Notre Dame content, what to look out for in the 2022 season, how they're feeling about Coach Marcus Freeman, and just uh, a hell of an episode, man, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, thank you, Ashton, so much for coming on, uh, bringing your knowledge to to my podcast, and, and I really enjoyed it um, and can't thank you enough. Uh, guys – if you could, go to Spotify, uh, leave a review, five-star review, Apple Podcasts, leave five-star review, written review, whatever you got. I uh, appreciate y'all listening, tuning in, and uh, until the next one, I'll catch y'all. Peace.